Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to the amazing and wonderful episode 250 of the Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour podcast. If you do the math, we should have reached that years ago, but <laughs> don't you worry about it today. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by my co-host, Jason Klom. Hi. And also our very special guest, James Urbaniak. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> that's strange. That's very strange because you've been yeah. here the whole time, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't judge it. Who won't judge it? Just kidding. James, <laughs> you've never, uh, you're not familiar with the format of this show uh, in terms of. No, we really don't. <laughs> but I will say, you are partially responsible for the format of this show because when we really? did episode 100 of Comedy on Vinyl, uh, someone volunteered, hey, Jason, let's talk about one of your sketch things. And you were there. My friend Alex was there. Uh, my, uh, oh, my God, who else was there? Somebody else was there. I apologize. My brain has fried. But either way, we talked about our bullshit for an hour. And uh, it was uh, too big of an ego stroke to not continue into its own podcast. And so that's what we've been doing. For it's, technically oh, a, it's technically a spinoff it is. of Comedy on Vinyl. Yeah. So nigh on eight years. So I was there at the moment this was birthed. Yeah. You're really, you're responsible for it. And I, your royalties are coming as soon as we get um, whatever initiates royalties. <laughs> any sort of Any sort of money. Yeah. Um, if we if we sell one of these koozies, which uh, you know with our names on it, actually it's a, it's a chillender. I apologize, we do not call them Chillinder. koozies. Um, you know, then we'll get you some royalties from that. Um, James, how have you been? Before we get to the sketch, how have you been? I have been well. I have been well. I uh, I have been healthy, mm -hmm. and uh, its work has picked up a little in recent times. That's good. Uh, That's, good. That's always good. Uh, oh, my and uh, yeah. Everything's going okay, and um, been writing a bit with my writing partner Bree Williams, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just trying to keep busy. I was on the premiere of Better Call Saul last night. I'm just oh. throwing that. Oh, out there. that's exciting. I have not seen that show yet. I apologize. I'm behind on every single show on TV, but I'm that's sure you were great. I had never really. I, I just didn't get around to watching it. Then mm -hmm. I kind of started to binge it when I got that job, so I knew what was going on. Yeah. Okay. Fair uh, enough. But it's good. It's all it's cracked up to be. My wife really likes you on, what is it, Terrible People or whatever it's called? Difficult People. Yeah. <laughs> but use the adjective of your choice. Any synonym will do. I mean, that, that they're, that's an, it's an accurate description as well. Lousy folks on Hulu. <laughs> yes, that I mean, was it's, a it's great a, show. It's a type of character that Billy Eichner is really good at playing. Exactly. And my old friend Julie Klausner, who created that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan... You know, there's a reason you don't live in an LA in LA anymore. I live in LA. I could I couldn't do what you just you did it with aplomb. You're like whatever it's called uh, these two dipshits, whatever the name of your show is. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Can we I, make a show called These Two these Dipshits? Because di I feel like that would just take <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, I think it would too. Um, so uh, what we're going to do is I've picked a sketch from the album that we discussed on episode 100 because it's our only album, really, except for our Christmas album that you were on. You were on our Christmas album too, James. He was. Um, yes. I should point that out. Um, along with uh, comedy legend Philip Proctor. Um, he's also in there playing Herschel F. Comedy Hour. And... Uh, I'm going to now the share my screen. The comedy eponymous hour. comedy hour. I'm going to I'm going to share my screen, and we'll listen. Oh God, it's a three and a half minute sketch. So I apologize in advance. Uh, oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Uh, I guess that's. I true. know this was SNL. That would be a good twenty five minutes. That's a good. That's a good point. So here we go. The lunch of the three musketeers. Ho 
do you like your steak, D'Artagnan? Wonderful, Porthos. Aramis? The shrimp, she is divine. I, Athos, am also enjoying my lunch. My lobster. Oh, shut up. What? You heard him. No one wants to hear about your lunch. Now eat it and shut your stinking lemon zest up. Now, aren't we all being a little hard on dear Athos? Hell no. He's a dirty pansy. He touches me while I sleep. Me too. Yes, but you ask for it. I prefer the ladies. I touch no one. These are all lies. Oh, then what do you call this? <gasps> that is your leg, my dear D'Artagnan. And the mark on the side? It looks like the king. Oh, let me see. It's a wonderful likeness, don't you think? Ah, oh, what are you doing there, my liege? I'm adding from the nobles. They're after my crown. Why is he the only one that speaks with a French accent? Shh, don't say anything. Okay, sorry. Why don't you just give it to them? You can get another. I don't know what that is, and I feel I should apologize for it. Now. <laughs> Very good. My God. Uh... <laughs> I've just a few things off the top. No sense of uh, what a noise floor is. Um, hmm. No, no sense of cutting when uh, breaths out. <gasps> There's a lot of that going. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we've mentioned this before. At the uh-huh. time of creating this, we yeah. were using a audio program that literally had one track. Uh, sure. Yes, it was different. Now, I'm actually not very. Uh, even though I produce podcasts, I don't know what I haven't heard the term noise floor. What does that mean? Uh, just the general hiss that was going on throughout it, and then when it, it's just a low, and there was no way for me to remove that at the time. I'll give myself that, but like I didn't also add in a noise floor when there were parts that got cut out. So so you oh I like, see like no room sound. tone. Room like, tone, essentially. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's 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 a better way to, to yeah. So should have had that. Didn't know about it to be fair. Um, we coined the word inconspicuous. I think you said that, Dan, and I just left it in, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, that is accurate. Well, I also like, now, Who was w- is pinky wit an archaic phrase? Did, is that is one that, that is you made up? That is just something I made up, yeah. I enjoyed that. Thank you. I like it historical. It will now enter his uh, daily, uh, <laughs> daily His language. lexicon? Okay, great. It yeah. will, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like a version of panty waste. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Pinky wit. Yeah, no. <laughs> I like fake uh, archaic language, uh-huh. so uh, you already have me on your mm-hmm. side when you start saying stuff like that. Sure, appreciate that. Also, the term lemon zester is just funny. Yep, agreed, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was mostly... I, al- <laughs> I also had a lemon zester line on difficult people. I have a reference to a lemon zester oh at God. one point, because it's just, it's funny to say. Is that the same thing as terrible couple of folks? That, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. That's what you call it. Shitty peeps, I believe it's called. Shitty, Shitty peeps. peeps. Sure, yeah. Loathsome sapiens. <laughs> 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 I liked it. I felt that clearly there's a, a, a heavy Python influence in the sketch. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. But I would I would I would argue. I would I put it to that. you that there's also a Cheech and Chong element to it. Oh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. Dan and I, uh what you don't know about is James, um, uh, the two things we actually bonded most over first were Weird Al and then Cheech and Chong. Mm-hmm. We listened to Cheech and Chong's greatest hit on cassette in a car, an old busted out car, and would just reenact Pedro and Man at the Drive-In, read along with it, and then eventually maybe did it ourselves, like without the tape going. I don't know, but that because was because there's did. there's a cash quality to the sketch that reminds me of Cheech and Chong. I'll take it. Sounds it. like it Definitely. sounds like two two buddies cutting up, which is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you know it also it sort of evokes the the Python you know. Oscar Wilde, James McNeil, Whistler sketch, you know. Mm-hmm. 
That's but true. You know what? I'll, you're giving us a lot of credit, but I'm taking all of, all of it. I'm taking <laughs> all of it. Every inch. Also, um, why is he the only one speaking in a French accent? Okay, joke, but um, questioning, I would question how much of a French accent I was doing. There was some German in there. Let's, there was definitely, maybe um, he was the Belgian. The were very, uh, very... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of that. You sound like John Cleese in, uh, in Holy Grail. That's, 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 that's very, very true. very much what I was doing, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, please, steal from the best. <laughs> When we talked about this originally, what's funny is my my sense of time is terrible. So I was like, yeah, James, come on my podcast. This is an album I did in 1999. That's nowhere near. I mean, we did it in 2001. And, you know, it was uh, totally, but it is now, good God. We recorded it in 2000. So it's now yeah. 22 years old, yeah. this thing. Incredible. Which I guess is okay. I suppose that that's okay that, it, that it's 22. Uh, do you, okay, James, did you ever record anything like on tape with your friends? Like, did you ever sit around with cassettes and improvise or whatever? Constantly. Oh okay. my God. My whole childhood uh, from, from the age eight, pretty much into high school. Mm-hmm. When I was eight years old, uh, I got a tape recorder for Christmas. You know, one of those little Radio Shack mm-hmm. cassettes with a condenser microphone. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I immediately started recording sketches. I wish I had some of these. I don't think any mm-hmm. of them exist anymore, which is very sad. Damn it. Uh, you know, there was no sense of how to digitize these things back then. And of course. And I think they just all got lost. But I recorded uh, sketches with my friends, and I would get very ambitious. Um, I would have another friend bring his tape recorder, and then I would tape sound effects off of cartoons and TV. Oh I would God. tape stuff off of the TV for mm-hmm. audio, and then I would... I would uh, use music and sound effects that I'd recorded off of the TV in our sketches. So they were very elaborate. That's so good. Um, And of course, all the editing was just done, you know, in recorder, in camera. Uh, But yeah, so my friend would bring his, I'd stop it. I'd go, okay, we're going to have this music here. We'd play his thing. And then we did a lot of Foley too. I remember we did a Batman, one of my, I think Ed Stokes and I did a Batman parody. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a fight scene, and we got some old, like, jars from his garage, and we and we broke them with hammers, like, in a box. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> so we had glass smashing. But I did that constantly. And you know what? I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I produce and write these podcast things, and that's just me goofing around with my tape recorder when I was nine years old. Yeah. So, yes, long history of, long history of uh, cassette sketches. I, I don't know what that, like, I don't know if all kids do that. I don't know if it's all kids or if it's just quote unquote creative types. I don't know. I, I yeah. don't think all kids do. I think all kids play. I don't think all kids think I need to restore, record this for, you know, uh, posterity. posterity. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, I have uh, two uh, teens, but mm-hmm. uh, neither of them ever really made like home recordings. Although my son does a thing which I did not have in school, which is, his high school actually has a film class, so he's made mm. videos, video sketches and stuff, which I'm yeah. very impressed by. That's amazing. And I, 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 he, I saw him editing one uh, recently. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was quite intrigued. I would have loved that when I was a kid if we had like a video. Oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. we didn't yeah. have that. I'm, I'm an oldie, so we didn't have <laughs> easy home video technology when I was a teen. It didn't exist. And we're yeah, only, I think that and this, yeah. I, I started high school in '77, so it was right before home video really became mm. a thing. Right. That's yeah, we right got lucky and just had we had like access to a camera an hour a day at school. That was like, yes, we did that have was that. AV Club. <laughs> AV Club exactly. was made for us. 
they they I think they ha- mm-hmm. I don't did they used to have an AV club and then eventually they stopped it and then they're like oh these two idiots are not going to do anything let's give them their the own case, class because no one else was interested I don't think yeah and we were like what the fuck give it to us and we were like yeah we'll do all these big projects we'll do a video on the the Dewey Decimal System and we <laughs> shot like ten minutes of that and never and mostly just fucked around with forced perspective like oh it's the world's largest can of Coke in the world look at the-. that's literally <laughs> how it, half the videos are. <laughs> We just and we didn't even do it right. It wasn't like we used depth of field to like it was blurry in the foreground. It didn't work. Oh, we didn't really charming. have that level of control at a the remember, type of camcorder yeah. it was. That's true. I graduated high school in '81, and uh, I was in New Jersey, and I had a friend. I didn't go there, but I had a friend who then went to Rutgers, mm-hmm. you know, the State University of New Jersey, very mm-hmm. prestigious school. And when he was a freshman, he. Uh, I forget what it was for. It was just some sort of, there was like some sort of student video club or something. And by 81, there were sort of bulky home video cameras. Mm-hmm. And I remember we made a rather elaborate scripted sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Dan and I, uh, and I wrote some of the sketches. And then a few years ago, uh, he got in touch with me and, and I got a copy of it. And it was delightful and embarrassing as these, yeah. <laughs> as these juvenile efforts are. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But I got to say, there was some, and I didn't really know anything about performing then. That's way before I even thought I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it, and no one will, because I will never share it publicly, <laughs> uh, you can see there's still a little, there's something going on there. There's mm-hmm. a little DNA of my acting abilities and, and extremely Your, rudimentary sketches. Your eventual <laughs> rise to power. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, you- I'd, spent, I'd spent like uh, 10 years, you know, doing cassette sketches with my friends so yeah i mean what you see in me from 13 on is like how can i how can i do a really good phil hartman impression the answer uh it turns out is i can't uh but (laughs) even now but like that part of my personality has never gone away like the desperately wanting to be phil hartman is has been there from there then Mm -hmm. that's that's mr announcer voice is basically just exactly phil hartman Speaking of oh hi, I mean you know he was the king of oh hi. I didn't see you there. I mean at least exactly. reviving it. He was a, a genius. I James, I don't know if you know this. I have one of his ties on my wall. Um, it is hanging a, a, right a necktie, here. a necktie of his that belonged to Phil Hart. That was worn by him on one of my favorite episodes of News Radio. And I also also can't see it, but I have his spacesuit from the space episode of News Radio on my other wall. Holy um, cow. Yeah, I, it's, they, they're my prized possessions. I don't shut up about them. I'm wearing that tie the second I if, get a cartoon voice. If I get to, Once I get to do a cartoon voice, I'm wearing that in the booth. If, if there's a fire, come, those are the two things he's grabbing. Yes, How exactly. did you come to, uh, to own these? Is uh, it an auction or something? Or? N- so there is, there's this lady. I'm not sure if she still sells them. I believe she does. Um, but she sells just <laughs> like, hey, do you want a, a T-shirt that was worn by somebody on The Single Guy? Uh, here, go to my website you can buy them it was just like she just was a reseller of of stuff from mm-hmm. shows and nobody gave a shit about news radio but i went to her website and i was like what do you have what do you have nothing nothing that was worn by phil hartman and but i'm like oh let me see is there anything so i bought uh the one shirt that was worn by andy dick that didn't have any coke or or semen on it and i i own that <laughs> and then i later spoke to her and I was like, so you know Phil Hartman stuff, right? She's like, yeah, that's the thing. Once once he was killed, they told me to get rid of or destroy any of his stuff. And she did. So she thought. Really? Hmm. Yeah. And then she told me, like, look, I found a box of his ties. Uh, I didn't know I had them. I have a box of his ties. And if you want to promote my thing, blah, 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 I'll give you two ties. So I took one, gave my news radio podcast co-host the other one, 
and um, I have those. And then at one point, she's like, oh, I have this spacesuit thing. Does this look familiar? I'm like, are you shitting me? It's one You're of the right, best like, episodes of the show. Classic, and classic, classic. It episode. was There was only one of them made, pretty sure. And I'm like, how much? She's like, I don't know. And so I brought a little bit, mon- bit of money with me to buy some other stuff from News Radio for her because I'm obsessed. And she's like, can't find that stuff. I'm like, she's like, give me the money you've got, which is $100. Uh, hold on to this, and then I'll tell you how much it's going to cost later. I'm like... That's weird, but I really want this. And then eventually she's like, nah, it's fine. You've got it. A hundred bucks. So that cost me a hundred dollars. And it's like, to me, That's worth way more. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. 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 It, oh, worn it, by it sounds Harper. like a steal, frankly. Yeah. It is. And and uh, she also destroyed all the Polaroids with him in them, except for a couple that she didn't realize she hadn't destroyed. And I have a couple of those too. So I have a Polaroid of him in the spacesuit with Candy Alexander in her spacesuit. Oh, nice. Yeah. So those are in the frame that you cannot see. Uh, now, so what is the logic behind? Yeah. Now, Sorry. why destroy these items? So he's a beloved figure. It's it not was, like it's disrespectful to have. Uh, so she later told me she stuff. when she said destroy, she meant get rid of. So she mostly gave them to shops, but they they didn't want anybody buy selling these to make extra money off of his death. They just thought it was crude and crass and weird. Right. So they I had understand. I understand. Yes. So she gave it all away. So they're floating out there. Somebody out there has one of several Phil Hartman suits and doesn't know it possibly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just had, when you said destroy, I That's what I, she, I she lit she a bonfire had. and <laughs> right. threw. <laughs> right. So I'm like, guessing she didn't. Like the end of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Little, the pyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of plaid suits. <laughs> just a bunch of plaid suits and ties. And Phil Hartman shows up next to Luke Skywalker's, you know, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. You know, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> James, you had a question about this upsetting background. Is that what you were going? You were going to ask a question? Uh, no, no, no. I think no, no. Okay. I, I think we, we've answered everything. Oh, okay. We've so, far. so far, so far. Good. Um, so here's the thing: we've been talking about the Musketeers, Dan, and I. I was I wanted to let us talk for a bit, but here's my concern. James, this is something you don't know. I'll I'll, I'll pull this up now. Uh, one thing you don't know about this the show is um, I. Uh, uh, we don't know where this has come from. This is the time box. Uh, this time is box. Uh, basically it's a time it's a time machine slash zoom. Um, I will not press this. This is where the time juice is held. That will activate it, and I'll travel in time. I can't do that. That would be a terrible idea. These are floating around, and Dan, I'm sorry. I don't. Ironically, know we don't have time. To That's very true. Time. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I don't normally uh, leave a guest waiting in the room for this long, but we, uh, Dan, we've got somebody here, Who? and I have to let them in. Um, all, all it let's it, it does it just says uh, it just says Jason Gervais, and uh, if you remember on our live stream we did a while back, he's back during the uh, the English Civil War. I remember. I remember. Um, now I've been trying to get him in. We must be having some t- trouble with the Zoom. So just um, give me a, a second. I'm gonna take my jacket off because I'm a little. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try here and, and do my work some magic and, and get this working okay. just fine. Um, you, you guys might need to vamp while I try and get this going. Okay. Um, let's see. Hello, Jason. Are you there? Ah, see, I can't hear him. This is this is the problem. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you know of the uh, English Civil War, James? And, and not much. When was it? Uh, I don't know. That's what I was asking. <laughs> asking you. Um, let's see. Well, uh, let's let's fill fill everyone in. Um, we'll go to Wikipedia. English Civil War. I can tell you when it is. Oh God. What? When was it? When was it, uh, J- J- right Jason? Right now, 1600s, thereabouts. <laughs> 1642 it, to 1651, to be more specific. Where are you? Why? What? So what? 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 Like year are you at between 1642 and 1651? That nine-year period. A lady never tells. Are you a lady? I mean, no. 
But are, were you were you in the first or second war? Yep. Both. If okay. Hi, how are you? Hey, how, how's it going, Jason Gervais? Oh, it's now, great. I mean, here's the thing. I very happy. Uh, I don't know who that is there with you, um, but very uh, this is uh, to see this you. is a uh, James Urbaniak, expert of the English Civil War. Oh, now well, your last name is Gervais. Correct. Which I take to be French in origin. That's I, I'm just all guessing. right. Yeah, I don't like to talk about that, but yeah. Now there's a in, in our time. Mm-hmm. There's a well-known uh, a comedian named Ricky Gervais. Are you mm-hmm. related? Do you know if you're related to him? Or is he um, related to I don't to know. You? Dan, look it up. That's your job, right? Uh, I'll, I'll it... try. How do you spell your name? Come on, mate. J-A-C-Y-N. Last. J-E. No. G-E-R-V-A-I-S. I know how to spell it. <laughs> well, so, it. here's uh... the thing. I heard that you guys were talking about the musketeers like you know something about it. I was there. You you were there? For the real Musketeers. You know, the beginning of the, the Three Musketeers book. You've probably read it. I have. I had it sent back in time to me. Uh, okay. You know, Alexander Dumas okay. was all like, oh, I found these guys in this book. It's a bit of a... He was having a laugh, right? It was a bit of a joke. He didn't know any... Those guys weren't real. But you know who okay. was? Who was? I'm French. Well, I'm one of the original actual Musketeers. I did all the stuff that's but in the books. But, but you're British. Yeah, right. But that's how you hear it. Okay. Listen. Okay. I'm what's listening. that guy? Who's this guy? Who? Who's it? Oh, this is the other one. This is the one that's related to me, right? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's he's not Jason. Talking. Prick. He's uh, he's probably a bit uh, shook, shooketh that you're there. That's probably right. Uh, do you uh, do you remember my catchphrase, Dan? You know, it's been it's been a minute. It's a bit daring. Look, I mean, it pisses some people off. Some people don't like it. Fuck the monarchy! That's my impression, though, that's, specifically that's right. of, of, of Cromwell. Now, I that's think right. you might be related to... Uh, uh, a descendant of yours might be the aforementioned Ricky because he also kind of makes a big deal about how controversial he is. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar energy there. Also, he has a kind of an annoying laugh. If you don't mind, can you laugh for us? Because that might really... I yeah, mean, I'm be... not some fucking performing monkey. you got to do something to make me laugh, you know what I mean? But I thought you were... I thought you, you basically did uh, British ESO shows during the Civil War. So yeah. I, you kind of are a dancing monkey. All right, I've got a joke for you. Uh, right. Let's there imagine. You, you let's imagine I'm eating some uh, chicken. I've got a. I'm eating some chicken. That's funny already. Boy, right. this this chicken is really dry. It's like one of Cromwell's speeches. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, I there think I think you're there the Gervais Gervais. That's funny. 100%. That's funny as shit. Oh Thank man. You. <laughs> okay, so this this Ricky. All right, so he's daring. Is he daring for his time? Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. <clears throat> don't tell anybody. Well, here's the thing you don't know, James. I perform for both sides, all right? Mm-hmm. They don't know it. I perform for both sides. We sneak around. One, one, one group's asleep. We'll sneak over, wake the other guys up, and be like, hey, guys, we're going to perform for you. Um, well, they don't know none of them because I would probably get beheaded by at least one of the groups. Can't remember which. Um, I don't believe in God. Mm, what are you going to do about that, eh? Oh, wow. That's another you thing you have connected with uh, Ricky Gervais of totally. our time. What? The Ricky Gervais of our time is very uh, vocal about his uh, lack of uh, belief. His mm. atheism. Yeah, all right. So he's just, so he's just nicking my bits. Um, now, I mean, when you were you did come first, when you were younger, were you sort of very beloved 
And then did you find that more and more people found you annoying as you became more famous? I mean, that, that's one of the sort of trappings of fame, really. When you I suppose you're right. That is a, I mean, hey, we're all famous here. So yep. we, we've yep. all experienced that. Yeah. Uh, the spotlight can sting, if you will. It really can. It really can. I mean, look, I mean, I started out in, in, in actual shithouses. My, my, uh, my partner... Daniel Shithouse is uh, mm-hmm. like he's named that because that's where I found him, and he didn't have a surname, right? So yeah, they didn't all have surnames back then. It's just he a was a town crier. Um, I was just a guy. I was just a gadabout, just did things, and you know, he and I we would do this stuff together, make people laugh, and it started out kind of genuine and loving and sweet. Wanted to remind people of their humanity through our, our humour, and it went well. And then all of a sudden, somebody said, "Hey, mate." I'll give you a couple bob for doing that. And I'm like, a couple bob? You buy me a bleeding fucking house. And so I start doing it. So I do it. And eventually I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting the same thrill. You know what I mean? It wasn't the same thrill as it used to be. And instead of going back to the things that uh, made me feel good about comedy, I decided to hate everybody and myself. Is that bad? That sounds about, that tracks actually, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, big time. All right. I mean, I'm bitter. If I'm honest, I'm really bitter. But to be fair, I'm starving. Got dysentery half the time. It's rough out here in these streets. You know what I mean? Well, especially if you have dysentery, then well, the streets sh- are probably oh, pretty rough yeah. too. Now, is this? Are you? I'm a little. Uh, what? You're circa when? It's the 1600s. Yep, mid mid 1600s. Let's say mid 1600s to be safe. I don't like to say when because uh, if I'm honest, I don't want anybody taking this time box from me. If nobody knows where this is, I've got this motherfucker, and I can check in on this Ricky son of a bitch and tell him to stop nicking my shit. Okay, so you're, you're post-Shakespeare. Yeah, all right. You didn't know Shakespeare personally. Or no, did you? I, don't, I mean, look, he's a fact. Look, you, I'll, bet, I'll bet in whenever you're from, you're all like, yeah, he wrote everything he's, he's credited with. No. No. Got all right, this is interesting. Wrote, wrote so we're the, so, we're the... So the, Shakespeare the... died in 1616. Uh-huh. So... Yep. Are you saying that as a child... You wrote for Shakespeare? I was not a child. I'm in my 40s now, so I was younger. Okay. Yeah. I wrote some of his last things in my 20s and teens. Right. Okay, that's enough. So you you did some punch-up on The Tempest. Cool, punch-up. Yeah, all right, that's what we can call it. Writing 90% of it, punch-up. Sure, whatever. Yeah, and and Sir Francis Bacon just punched up Romeo and Juliet. So you kind of so what you're saying is you're basically Shakespeare's script doctor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm no, you know what? No, fuck that. He's my script doctor, mate. Hmm. Yeah. Did you write right. it? Did you write it first, and then he just kind of Shakespeareized it, or? Yeah, he gave me money to write it for him because he was shit at writing, bordering on illiterate. Yeah, and then, you know. He punches it up, so he says, and he adds a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of fake words. Never going to catch on. Like that one? I know they catch on. I'm not stupid. I know how those bits go. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've seen some of your modern TV, and they're really fond of being like, that's never going to catch on. And that's, it's never really a solid bit, honestly. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, no, long story short, I wrote a bunch of stuff for him. And uh, I got paid handsomely to not take the credit, but I'll tell you, I regret it every day. That's, uh, I guess that's fair. That's uh, a fair place to be in. Yeah. So what? Uh, so since you don't have that credit, is that why you're still kind of stuck just doing like ESO shows and hanging out with a guy from a shit house? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's a nice enough fella. Uh, like him a lot. Hope the group takes off. I, I can't wait. One of these days is going to be amazing. But, like, you know, I'm just, you know, just kind of chilling, honestly. I don't mind it. You know, you perform for both sides. You can kind of really work out what works for everybody, you know. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to do it. Now, where do you come down on bear baiting? I understand this was an Elizabethan pastime where people would essentially torture a bear in public. And I got to say, in 2022, mm-hmm. this is a non-starter. This it's, is, it's, it's controversial at best. It's, it's beyond controversial. It simply isn't done. But, uh, well, I mean, as far as you know. But as a man of that time, yeah. can, you, can you defend it? Can you defend the public torturing of a bear for amusement? I will say this. First, no. Second, okay. Second, I, I sort of get where they're coming from. I, I sort of get it. I get why they're doing it, but I can't justify it. Like that wouldn't be fair. I've been to a couple of these shows, and it's not the same one where where a bloke has sex with a bear, right? That's different. I've never heard of that. I'm not yeah, familiar with that. They're sedated, both the man and the bear. It's it's distressing. Hate it. Also, can't justify it. Um, I, I guess I get I get the entertainment value. But um, no, I can't justify it. No, it's 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 not ta- it's tacky. You know what I do isn't tacky. I come out in my little you know uh, in my little suit or wherever I'm wearing my little dress because normally there's a lot of like sort of mm-hmm. cross dressing stuff. You know you come out. Um, anybody else notice that my accent is like sort of going everywhere? I'm sort of from a lot of different places. I don't know if you notice that. Yeah, but, yeah, well, yeah. that's my understanding that the 17th century accent is not the British accent that we. No think of today and right, in fact, honest, some um, I'm, I'm putting this on some scholar yes so that we can understand you more yeah. easily not unlike if, if you were a god you might take a human form exactly. so as not to freak us out much like george burns in the film oh god oh i love that film that's one of the few i've got You've on this it. time box thing oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah so like my him. my understanding is that bear baiting was actually a major um was a, was a major thing the Puritans had an issue with during these wars that you are a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard anyone talking about this or? Yeah, the Puritans. Yep, yep. They talk about it. They don't like it either. What else am I supposed to say? This motherfucker won't talk. Who is this? That's that's uh, that's, that's the one's uh, related to me, right? That one's related to you. Yes, yeah, uh. he's a little bit confused by that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's related. Okay, yeah, all right, it's fine. I mean, here's the thing. If I was to do my normal accent, you wouldn't be understand. You wouldn't understand a word I was saying. Um, so yeah, I, I have to put this on. Now, where this. do you come down on badger teasing, which is not quite as uh, extreme as bear baiting? Yeah, I think that fun. in the in the 1700s, that that uh, it's good. That nature. became popular. I mean, it's a tease, right? It's not like. It's not like you're trying to make them hurt you or hurt themselves. You're not like equipping them with some sort of weapon to kill another badger. Yes. You just like tease it. You're like, hey, look, little badger, look at you. You're stupid, right? And badgers are stupid. I mean, it can't I mean, be to be not. fair, yeah. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I think you're a very progressive individual for a man of your time, and I think Thank you'd you. fit right in today. In fact, with that hair you have, you mm-hmm. you would have, you could have fronted a hair metal. We had a we had a genre of music called hair metal. Mm. Now, I know that sounds confusing to you. Yeah, but, the, the, uh, the metal was not made of, the hair was not made of metal. It was, it was a very lively kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it tended to be performed by men who had hair like yours. Oh, I mean, that sounds fun. Now, when uh, would this yeah. have been performed? Like, I could set an, a time on this box and maybe Nin- visit. 
1980s into the mid-90s, and then it was yeah. superseded by a genre called grunge, which was not at all about hair. All right. Although, to be fair, there's also um, a comedy, uh, a parody artist who, in the 90s, um, had hair very uh, similar to yours as well. Yes, uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al Yankovic. Is who you're referring to. He had long, yes. kind of frizzy-looking hair, much yeah, like I, yours. I know Weird Al Yankovic. I don't mean I know him from your box. I know him personally. What, what are you talking about? He's there now? Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's, uh, he's pretty popular oh, now. Oh, mate. All right. Are you suggesting that the comedian, the 20th century, 21st century comedian, he actually spans both of those centuries. He does. Um, uh, that he, that century, well, he's a century spanning comedian. So, of course, he would. Why wouldn't he also span the, the 17th century? I, mm. I'm, I'm just concerned he's got access to one of these boxes <laughs> and he's just going about stealing material. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know if I want an answer to this question or not. Okay. Um. This weird Al Yankovic, hoping yeah. it's not the same guy. Does he does he do music with a squeeze box about food? Oh, all the time. Oh, That's yeah. pretty much his his uh, uh, bread and butter, if you will. Are you you, you fucking shitting me? You you're having me on. No, it's uh, that's his thing. Oh my god. Are you saying he lifted that from you? Is that where you're going with this? Yeah. First Shakespeare, and then this weird alpha doesn't even bother to pay me. I thought we were just mates hanging out. He's got this stupid squeeze box. I've got uh -huh. my loot, and we're just playing, and we're doing this. And he's like, I, I had this song that I wrote, and I called it Beat It. Here are the lyrics. And it goes like this. I'm like, yeah, but what if it was about eating, mate? And he's like, oh, that's not a bad idea. Then he goes away for a couple of weeks, comes back, looks conspicuously older. And then mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, got, any, got anything else? I mean, that was for a period of about like six months he did this not that long ago progressively older just saw him a week ago he's like 55 don't know how that happened whatever are you fucking shooting me mate oh, oh no he, that uh that that uh that eat it one is pretty much one of his uh most popular uh songs pretty much put him on the map if you will and it doesn't anywhere say on his album co-written with jay gervais need not not in the slightest um in fact not to not not to ruin the future or anything but um your name doesn't appear anywhere i would remove these glasses if they weren't a, a zoom filter like an add-on to make me look like a nerd uh, i'm so i'm fucking distraught it's a this pretty is, good zoom filter to be honest this is a lot this is a lot this is a lot to contend with i'm, I'm honestly i'm gonna have to let you guys go because this is not I don't, I don't, I'll come back when he visits me next and I'll tell you this, you'll see two heads on the screen with this kind of hair, one of them's going to be attached to a body and it's going to be mine. That sounds what a they, bit aggressive. What's going to be done to Oliver Cromwell, I'll just tell you, is going to be done to whoever this is you're talking about. I know what his name is, I'm just, I'm, I'm livid, I'm livid. Goodbye. We I might, wow. we might have uh, changed wow. the future a little bit, a little bit there. This is, this is classic time travel conundrum. There's always... Yeah. Uh... Jay, Jay and I are not great about the not telling people about the future thing, to be we honest. Used to, it seems we like used a to great be. idea, and then it doesn't pan out. 
we used to be like so good at this and just be like, oh, can't tell you anything about. It. I mean, Dan's After got. After a while, it just becomes fucking commonplace when everyone is time traveling and talking to you. I can't tell Dan about his future. He's got this thing that happens in the future that he he just forgets anyway. So even if I told him right now, I think he, he'd forget. Yeah, I've got this thing. I don't know. I think it's called ADHD. Yeah, or my memory's just shit. I'm sorry that I was mum that whole time. I was just kind of blown away. Uh, mostly that he had hair. Last time when he was on, he was stark bald. So I, don't I remember. Know so what that was about? That I was don't know. I, he kept he kept fiddling with his hair. So mm-hmm. I think uh, mm-hmm. he's he's a volat he's a volatile fellow. He really so is. I think he yeah. made the right choice to kind of lay low. I think so. I God God only I knows what would. I mean, I set him off a couple times, and mm-hmm. I wasn't even trying to. Yeah, he's, and you know me, Jason. Yeah. I'm I'm a very uh, cash person. You are. You're 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 amenable. You're kind. N- never have you have you you know angered me in the slightest. So I don't I don't know what that was. All. I I feel like we should give a warning to Weird Al Yankovic though, that he should not be taking. You think? I mean, it took you forever to get any messages to him to begin with. <laughs> it took ten years to get him on a podcast. I don't know how. And how I mean, well based off based go. off the story, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. perform this way, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Getting you know, getting through people to him is yeah. a challenge. Is a challenge. That's true. I, I now just they watch. are making a biopic about him, mm-hmm. or he is making one about himself. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, good I cast. Was, I was presented for a part on that film, and I'm very sad that that did not come to fruition. Boy, oh boy! Really? Yes. The, for the first time in the history of my career, I was presented for a part in something real. <laughs> And no, now, it did not work. What out. do you mean you were presented? I you was were given, offered here's the something? Thing. No, no, no. If I were offered, I would not, I would, I would have gotten the fuck out. But for the first, I've never been, I know my face has never been in front of an actual casting director. And so for the first mm-hmm. time, my face was, my, my headshots and shit were actually sent to the casting director for the movie. But then they're like, oh no, we got a name for it. After that, I think he was just trying to make me feel good. And then like, no, we cast a name. For Wait, what you role? The role of Dr. Demento? A doctor, but no, not Dr. Demento. I'm sure because they had Rain Wilson. Dr. Gavorkian. He's it actually a pretty Kevorkian. big character in the biotech. You don't realize it, but uh, Weird Al used to be super, super close with them. <laughs> yep. Strange. Uh, I, I, I am. I was disappointed that I am not. Uh, I was not uh, offered anything in the in the Weird Al Yankovic film. I know. But I am I in the Jack Kevorkian Al Pacino movie from a few years ago. <laughs> That's so right. There you go. It's actually true. <laughs> I forgot about that. I have a, I have a couple scenes with the great man. Very nice. Oh God! Yeah, but I, yes, you know, I so thought. Funny. <laughs> no, go on. No, 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 no. I just I can't believe I forgot that because you you have two very a few very good stories about working with Al Pacino. I just I couldn't do. remember what movie it was. So yeah, it was well. Back. He's Pacino, so everything takes on an epic quality. Sure, when you're working that's with fair. Pacino. That's yeah, fair. So uh, I, I in fact I was just thinking about him on that set like literally yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was doing a scene. He has a. He plays Jack Kevorkian, and uh, you know a lot of the movie is about his trials, his not his arduous life, but his, not yeah, exactly his his actual legal trials. In, okay. in, uh, in fact, in uh, Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, Detroit, you're mm-hmm. in Kevorkian country. Oh, that's right. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it says and when you when you drive in. It's on a big billboard. Now Kevorkian country. It's but the ominous music plays yeah. when you drive past the sign. Yeah. <laughs> You're killing it in Kevorkian country. That's, that's the slogan. It's, it's, you know, Kevorkian, Chupacabra, same kind of mythological level. Yeah, it's true. And I remember mm-hmm. he had like a monologue at one point and he, in the courtroom, and, mm-hmm. he, and he's doing it in character. The cameras are rolling. And then he stopped. And then as Al Pacino, he said, close, but no cigar. <laughs> Meaning I'm not, in a very affable way, he's going, eh, not a great take. Let's do another one. 
<laughs> but it was delightful just seeing Pacino drop character and go close, but no cigar. Well, his Pacino voice. That the, the sense of humor um, uh, ex- extends as far uh, as his own um, acting prowess within a given scene is uh, that's that's refreshing. That's yeah. There was another there, there was another great moment where it was a, I was playing a reporter from uh, the Detroit area who covered mm-hmm. uh, Pacino mm-hmm. and a real guy named Jack Lessonberry. And uh, there was a uh, we were doing an exterior. The movie was shot mostly in New York for the interiors, but then they shot very briefly in Detroit for exterior shots. Mm-hmm. So the primary cast was flown to Detroit and we were shooting outside court, a building that was supposed to be a courthouse. And so it's a simple shot of just Pacino walking into the building. That's all mm-hmm. the shot is. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, and there's a bunch of reporters screaming after him and I'm following him into the building. So that's all the shot is. It's just mm-hmm. action. Pacino walks along the sidewalk, walk, opens the door and enters the building while a bunch of extras scream. Mm-hmm. And okay. I am following him because I'm one of the primary reporters. And after mm-hmm. like the third take of this, we once we're in the lobby, the shot is over. We get in the lobby for the third take. And then there's there was like a conference table in the lobby. And Pacino got on it and <laughs> laid down on the conference table and then said to the ceiling, I smell an Oscar. <laughs> Which was... <laughs> The old joke that it was a nothing shot, you know. Love it. Uh-huh. How beautiful did I walk into this building? Oh, that's good. But then I thought, that's funny, but if you've actually won an Oscar, can you do the I smell an Oscar joke? If right. Some right. Of right, the right. Star water. But I think you can. Yeah. So he was he was delightfully funny. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I feel like I feel like context really does play into that. Like, yeah, right. It, like it, if he it, does a monologue and then says that, that's just you know that's just being pompous. No, right. no, because it no. You it walk a into totally a building and lie down joke. on a table. Perfect. It was a joke on <laughs> how many takes of this of me walking in do we have to do? I smell an Oscar. Yeah, it's perfect. You know they're uh, doing that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I have screeners, uh, digital screeners to watch of it. The, the offer, which is the making of the Godfather, could be crap. I don't know. It looks like it could be fun, uh, and it makes me think of obviously for me. Like I will tell you, if my entire career was uh, some, if I had one, was playing uh, people who actually existed, I would fucking kill for that. James, you've pe- played how many real people? Would you I've estimate? played several. I've, you know, I I would estimate maybe around six or seven. Six or seven. Have you Which met any conservative? Of them? Ooh, that's a good question. Obviously um, not Del Close, who you now. Yeah, played, I, but... I'm in a. There's a great movie which I know you you saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, called For Mad Men Only. Nothing to do with the popular TV show Mad Men. It's just right. a part of a phrase that Del Close once used. Mm-hmm. And that's a documentary, but there were sort of reenactments in that where I played Del. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, of course, didn't meet him because I, I didn't, I could have met him, mm-hmm. but I wasn't in this, you know, he was alive when I was alive. But right, right. I played Robert Crumb, uh, mm-hmm. the, the famous cartoonist in the movie American Splendor. Didn't meet him, although I went to see him speak once at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in France, but he came over to promote a book uh, after we made that movie, mm-hmm. and they, there was a Q and A with the audience, and someone in the mo- in the audience asked him, "What did you think about your portrayal in American Splendor?" And he didn't. No one knew that I was in the audience. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I, he'd actually said this before because I'd read the same answer. He'd been asked the same question in an interview once, and he said. Well, I didn't think he was like me, but I'm me. I wouldn't think anyone was like me. But my, my wife said if I was like that, she never would have married me. Which, frankly, 
I took his high praise because he's a famous curmudgeon who doesn't stand on ceremony. So I felt like that's his version of saying I was awesome, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. basically. It's kind of or at least he appreciated it for what it was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then, Should have just yeah. yelled thanks from the audience. <laughs> thanks! <laughs> and I actually just did, I don't know. I actually just did a kind of big movie, but I probably shouldn't talk about it because mm-hmm. it was all this like, you can't talk about it stuff. Oh, sure. But That's I play, I have a sign. small part. I do play a real guy in that, but mm-hmm. I'll have to tell you later. You'll okay. just have to wait till it comes out. You'll have to come back. But and it you, was another one of, I have a small peripheral role. It, it's a historical film. It's set in a prior mm-hmm. uh, decade. But I do play a sort of prominent uh, uh, person. Are you, playing, are you playing Jason Gervais? Because I feel like that yes, would I'm be playing Yes, it's the Jason Gervais story. <laughs> uh, the true story of the Three Musketeers. Yeah. It's me. Michael Gambon plays his father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's weird. That whole time, um, I don't think he in any way got to... Why he was one of the original Musketeers, but that never like got resolved. He was too busy whining about Weird Al Yankovic. So that, that never... sounds that sounds right. Well, I guess I hate to say it, but we'll have to have him back sometime. But oh boy! But I gotta say, yes. um, it's super fun to play a real person because mm-hmm. it's I, I love research, and also it just it it you already have you have all this information that just uh, yeah uh, you know helps your creativity, and ultimately you're just playing a character in a film. Yeah. Who's there for a specific purpose? Like in American Splendor, Robert Crumb is actually there to show us something about Harvey Pekar. Right, it's right. not the Robert Crumb story, but uh, yeah, I, I I love it. And yeah, for some reason, I've I have played like a handful of real people, but no, I don't think yeah. I've actually met any of the real people that I've I've played. They've either been historical people who existed before, or they just weren't sure. around. Right. Like Crumb, Crumb didn't come to the set of American Splendor. Right? <laughs> but I was in the same room with him once, you know, at that talk. So we, so we got that going for you. I'm, I'm looking to see, okay, this does not count in any way, shape, or form. And I promise I was not leading up to this, but it does occur to me I did sort of play somebody real, sort of. Play is, is in quotes. James, you were on my <laughs> podcast, um, yes. uh, The Professional Blur. You were, you've been on all my podcasts, too. Am I kidding? I think so. Yeah. Um, let me see if I could pull it up. So I was on an episode of Drunk History. Wait, have you done Drunk History, James? Were oh, you on Drunk History? no, I never did Drunk History. <sighs> you would have been good on Drunk History. I, I mean, agree, but, you know, that would have been everything. fun. So I was only an, <laughs> I was only an extra. Okay, I love so. history, and I've mm-hmm. been drunk many times, so it's, <laughs> it, it's, it makes perfect sense. Would you have preferred to tell an historical story, and if so, what would it have been? Because I know what I would do, but I I want to know what you would have done. I have, yeah, I you know I don't know. I I'm a great I'm a great lover of show business history, so mm-hmm. it might be something. It might be something based on like a, a historical show business thing. Though which mm. one I can't think of at the moment. I'd have to give that some thought. Okay. I would have show explicitly would about be? that, I think. It would it would have to be something vice president related just because I've been obsessed with the vice presidency for so long. So it would have either been Charles Curtis, who was VP under Hoover and one of the many dipshit things he did, or Spiro Agnew, which Spiro Agnew was just a giant piece of shit. And oh, he, Spiro Agnew is a fascinating character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's, so yeah, I am actually, I'm very, very interested in the 70s. Probably mm-hmm. part of it is a sort of nostalgic thing. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they've done something Watergate related or Nixon related on that show. Mm-hmm. Funny they? you say that. That's the, that's one of the things I was in. And I'm trying to find it. I can't find the video. Long story short, I'm one of the, uh, one of the 
the citizen group that broke into the FBI. So it's an episode where Elijah Wood and uh, Sophia Bush play like this couple. And uh, I'm just one of the lucky few extras who got to sit around the table and pretend like I was <laughs> acting with them. And yeah. uh, I'm pretty heavily featured. So that was fun. I'm in there and I'm wearing yeah. my Spiro Agnew watch. I will say that. I did. I, I was like, can I, I asked them, can I please wear my Spiro Agnew watch? It is time appropriate. Like it is perfectly period accurate. Now, like, yeah, sure. Why not? Does it um, have a picture of Spiro, like a Mickey Mouse watch? Exactly right. Because the, the, the joke was... Uh, somebody's like, hey, what does uh, Mickey Mouse wear? Oh, a Spiro Agnew watch. And then some guy in Long Beach made a Spiro Agnew watch. It was an Agnew caricature in Mickey Fantastic. Mouse pants and stuff and just his fingers going around. And I have one and they let me wear it. You can't tell what it is on screen, but it it's... What's know. important is now that's a, that's <laughs> I know a piece to go when they release it on DVD yeah. and there's the commentary. Mm-hmm. There's just a little piece of trivia that, that they can share. Mm-hmm. That's but exactly that, right. that I think that's one of the only times I've played a real person is on your vice presidents when I played Miss Nancy. Oh, that's true. Dan played uh, William Rufus Devane King, our thirteenth vice president, who was uh, vice president under mm-hmm. Pierce, likely the only nearly, <laughs> nearly open homosexual uh, vice president. As close as you could probably get at the time. Yeah, as close as you're going to get to, like out of the closet. Um, possibly lovers with Buchanan. Um, and Dan played him in this uh, teaser that we did years ago. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you, Dan, for the reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll that'll come out one of these days. I, you know, I desperately want to do I want to do a movie about Aaron Burr starring. Um, oh my mm-hmm. God, what's his name from um, Lin Manuel Miranda? Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gambon. Ah, uh, th- there we go. No, what is his name? He played Benjamin on Lost. What is the man's name? Joseph Could- Gordon Levitt. Big New York actor. Well, I say big. He's, 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 oh my God. Ben Linus. I never really watched Lost, so I'm no help. I don't know what the Yeah, that's my wife fine. watched Lost. I did not. Um, she did. She was in a writing group with uh, Hurley's girlfriend, though. Oh. Ben Linus was played by Michael Emerson. Jesus. Oh, Michael yeah, sure. Emerson. I know. I know. And that's, this is, this is classic because I actually know Michael in real life. You do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew him in New York I, when I lived in sure. New York because he was a theater actor and we used yeah. to see each other around. He's but I never true. watched that show, so I, I actually haven't. This is classic, though. This is every line he delivers. John, John, it's me, John. Don't go in there, John. Like, that's every every delivery is like a slightly quavery-voiced, like, little milk toast, and he's so good and evil. He's so good on that fucking show. He's, I love yeah, he, uh, he's played real people. There was a very acclaimed mm-hmm. play about Oscar Wilde that he did in mm. New York back oh. in the day where he played the title role. That's interesting. He, yeah. he strikes to me to be a diminutive gentleman. Is he not? Is he not short? I think of him as being of uh, medium height or like okay. around my height. But I also, I have a thing where I can't, I don't remember people's heights. Okay. You have height blindness. Is it because you're in heels I all think, the time? I just think everyone's like medium. Mm. Unless, they're extra, unless they're extra tall. Sure. I noticed very tall <clears throat> guys. He Now, Michael Emerson, the first thing I saw him in but didn't know I saw him in was he's an extra in The Imposters, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, is he? Yeah. He, he plays... Um, Mm-hmm. Alfred Molina's assistant. He's he has maybe he actually might have one line, but I think it might even be dubbed. But he's just mm-hmm. he's offering some eggs and and gin to Alfred Molina's character in the. Imposters. That is such a good movie. Oh, it's a brilliant fucking movie. I love it so much. James, have you ever seen The Imposters? I don't think so. Who directed that? Uh, Stanley Tucci wrote and directed. It's him and Oliver Platt just all doing. Right. It's just a it's a pastiche of of you know all those old door open door closed farces. Uh, yeah, right. and it's absolutely filmed like it. Like the backdrops are definitely backdrops. Like They're it painted, feels very, yeah. uh, feels very theatery actually. Yeah. Especially the ending. 
Of course. And it's about actors. <laughs> of course it's about yeah. actors. But it is also like it was one of lion the yeah. face. Urgh, lemon face well you're doing lion face lemon face that's from something different dan that's actually odd that i <laughs> was it what did that. they do oh no they just had that bit where he's like you're disturbed <gasps> not, not mentally, mentally disturbed oh just, <laughs> yes exactly sorry james what were you saying oh no i'm just saying it's odd that i haven't seen that i think you'd what, enjoy it from the way I think you're it, describing it and i love all those actors that that you just mentioned it's full of great actors I some think of whom became bigger afterwards it's but. a it's a very weird follow-up to big night because almost everybody from big night is in it but they're all doing <laughs> these farce performances and it's, it's yeah. so fucking good it's brilliant um dan go Miller. yeah um i don't i don't know what uh, but since we're right towards the end i don't know why yeah. i talked to you first i'm just used to asking you first james thank you for being <laughs> here <laughs> oh thank you anytime I'll, uh, and any fu- whatever future podcasts there are let me <laughs> i absolutely will i'm you always know I will. at your disposal ask michael emerson if he'll do the show <laughs> can you imagine admit- how confused he would be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, first I'd be like, "Oh, James Rabinick's contacting me. I haven't seen him in 15 years since he moved to LA." Like, uh huh. Uh-huh. And he's like, "Do you want to do this this tiny show that like four people listen to?" Sure. Uh, James he was a very nice guy in my experience. He's <laughs> 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 just seen him at parties and stuff in New York. He's just right. around. This comes out on Thursday. This <laughs> Thursday. What do you have anything you would like to promote, James? I do actually. Uh, uh, I uh, I have a uh, a writing partner named Bree Williams mm-hmm. and. As you know, Jason, we've written uh, and produced uh, several scripted podcasts, mm-hmm. essentially. What we're talking about, radio plays. Yes. Like like I made when I was eight years old with my tape recorder. Theater of the Mind. Sorry, Theater of the Mind. Really? And we actually, oh. we have a new one that mm-hmm. is just become available on audible.com. Mm-hmm. And it's a feature-length scripted podcast. We're calling it an audio movie. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. called I Will Never Lie to You. Mm-hmm. And it is a sort of a tale of uh, 1976 America, where we follow sort of two road, st- two two characters are on the road in bicentennial America, Love it. and uh, various wacky things happen. And it has a wonderful cast: Ray Seahorn from Better Call Saul oh, is in uh-huh. it, Nate nice. Cordry, Sam Levine, me, lots of wonderful people. A great okay. actress named Angela Trimber. Uh, so uh, that's on Audible. You can find it there. And uh, other than that, yeah, I'm just bopping around. There's the, the undisclosed movie with the big director mm. where I play a real person that I can't <laughs> say anymore or they'll find me and kill right. me. Right, right. Fair enough. Uh, and and we are, the, the beloved Venture Brothers, as you know, is coming to an end. But, yes, but... We, we, we are making a, uh, a so-called movie. It'll be a feature-length movie. <laughs> standalone episode that kind of ties up all the loose ends as best nice. we can. Uh, and that has been recorded, mm-hmm. but the animation takes a long time, so sure. I have no mm-hmm. idea when that will be on. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably sometime next year. But, I cannot wait. But the fans have that to look for, and, and it's a wonderful script that kind of... It's a, it's a fine, ostensible send-off. I don't want to say it's the show is completely over. Sure. But uh, it's, it's, it's a very nice sort of... Uh, possible finale. I, I like that. I mean, look, Futurama's come back about 12 times. So yeah, I, you never say, say never, as we exactly. say. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm now going to ask Dan what he'd like to promote, but as I do, James, think on something you'd like to leave the audience with. That'll be the next thing I come to you for. I did not prepare mm, you for this. Pearls of wisdom. Pearls of oh, wisdom. Pearls of wisdom, yes. Yes, okay. so think on those. Dan, what would you like to promote? Well, I'd like to promote uh, Of Dice and Dens. I finally released our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So and most that, recent, that, you mean? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Again, it's not ending like 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 the Venture Brothers. Uh-huh. Um, at, at least as far as I know. Uh-huh. Uh, but it does end this uh, adventure we were doing. Yes. Um, so you can find that at odndpodcast.com. Um, we have decided on dates for this year's Meowathon. If uh, James wants to join us again this year, that'd be fun. No pressure. Um, no pressure, though. Uh, July 22nd through 24th is when we're planning on running that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find out more at meowathon.com. That's M-E-O-W-R-A-T-H-O-N.com. Um, I stream on Twitch, usually games like Phasmophobia or Minecraft with my nephew and Kimberly. And you can find me at twitch.tv slash dgomiller or just find all my stuff at my link tree at linktr.ee slash dgomi. Brilliant. Um, you can find all my stuff at linktr.ee forward slash Jason Klom. That's J-A-S-O-N-K-L-A-M-M or jasonklom.com, which I finally updated with portfolio stuff. You can find all my podcasts and all of Dan's podcasts over at stolendress.com, including ODND podcast, all this other shit, and The Professional Blur, where James has been on, um, the archive of Comedy on Vinyl. James was on there about a billion times. Uh, That's up there as well. We've got a new podcast that comes out this week called The Hoodoo Factory. That is literally another news radio-related podcast, but it is a game show. But we have two of the three news radio podcasts out there on our network. Yes, there's a third. Um, So enjoy that those uh those are out there uh, i think it, yeah that's everything stolendress.com james what would you like to leave the people with this week well um <laughs> you know there was just a list of like rom-coms that that was uh, on twitter and uh, it uh, what, sarah who made that list it was who made the rom-com list oh the ringer Ringer, the website Ringer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it uh, caused some mild controversy because there's like the oldest film on there is Harold and Maud, which I also don't think is a rom-com. No. But, uh, no. and I'm not that snobby about movies, sure. but I do love old films. Mm-hmm. So my pearl of wisdom would be, if you're not into black and white films, if you are if you kind of feel like it's just a foreign language, people act weird, <laughs> just, just give them a shot and remember that styles change, but <laughs> emotions don't change. And so the, the emotions of old movies are the same ones that we're exploring today. And if you can get past the style of uh, certain performances of mm-hmm. the past, sure. uh, you can actually find a lot in there that's uh, very enjoyable. And, and sometimes in uh, old-timey times, uh, the acting is not bad. The acting is just of a different style. Yeah. And sometimes the acting is bad, uh, but uh, <laughs> very bad? often it's not. And I don't know. That's just what popped into my head. That's my pearl of wisdom. I like that. That uh, is a nice give, way to frame. Look at some old stuff and see if you might like it. That, that, that's that's a nicer way to. You know, I like that. That's good. Yes, yes. There you go. Dan? Expand your horizons. And life uh, is a book. And life is a book of chapters. And if you're down in one, you'll be up in the next. So don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> like, um, my my pearl of wisdom is: uh, don't let your ADHD clean your office five minutes before you have a podcast. That's fair. That's also fair. Um, <laughs> These could all be on bumper stickers, though. Mine was very long. <laughs> I, think, I think yours should still be on a bumper sticker. I think, Jay, we should sell that bumper sticker. Just take the entire thing. There's where your royalties will come from, James. We go, figured we it out. Just my point is, watch My Man Godfrey uh, from the 30s. The 30s one, not the 50s one. Thank you. 
Um, I, I will just very quickly <laughs> piggyback on James's point. If you want to watch a fun movie where uh, acting styles both coalesce and are also entirely separate, watch the producers. You will watch Zero Mustel, who was trained in vaudeville and, and all of that era, to a literally actor studio trained Gene Wilder, and they both work together brilliantly. They both play right. se- differently, but like they're playing the same shit in totally different ways. And at some point, and it's probably the blanket scene, they both come together in this insane peak of like, oh, this is where they meet. This is where these two acting styles meet and then and then the rest of the movie is a a beautiful coalescing of the two so anyway there's that so uh, so i agree with your point all right what will i leave you with this week ladies and gentlemen i would just say don't let your history define you um but if your history is uh, being a good person maybe try and still be a good person and don't be a bitter old asshole that's what i'm gonna say and And don't steal people's shit from the 1600s don't steal people's shit from the 1600s weird al Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour, the podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Dan Gomiller and Jason Klom. The Dan and Jay's Community Service theme song was composed and performed by Brian Magic Hands Madison. The Silver Jubilee theme song was composed and performed by Nick Robes with lyrics by Jason Klom. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 747-248-6687. That's R-I-P-2-Humor with a U. Subscribe to Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you can find us. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at DJC Hour and Instagram at Dan and Jay Comedy. Or find everything in one place at DanandJay.com. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Goodbye, Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!